Matins with Khanya Ditabe and Colin York. So we cross over now to Cape Town. This coming Sunday, you can get yourself a copy of the Southern Cross in your parish. So let's catch up with Gunter Simomache, editor of the Southern Cross, on what's happening this Sunday. Hi, Gunter. Good morning, Hanya. Cape Town is nice and warm, is it? No, it's not. It's actually quite cool. It gets warmer during the day, but uh, yes, in the morning it is cold. It's almost like we're in Johannesburg, which is, which is a rather strange experience for us. Of course, you're in Johannesburg. If you experience those temperatures you've got here, you would probably run around T-shirt and shorts. But, uh, you know, in Cape Town, we're not... Are you still there, Gunther? I'm still there. Oh, okay. It just uh, broke a little there, the line. So here we are looking at Sunday's newspaper now and starting with the uh, famous page seven, as I say. <laughs> you love your page seven. <laughs> of course, Raymond Peria starting on the power of movies. Uh, this movie, the South African film High Fantasy. Indeed. Um, it is a movie that he saw at the Durban Film Festival. And uh, it is a movie that is quite uh, unlike any other movie that uh, uh, he has seen by the sound of it. Uh, it is... Uh, a very innovative sort of movie about uh, four young people who uh, who have got a, uh, well, almost an out-of-body experience. I don't want to give away too much of it because, yes. uh, you know, people people might want to see that film and then I will give away all kinds of spoilers. I don't want to do that, but it certainly sounds like a very fascinating movie. It's a sort of movie that I think internationally uh, critics would be taking notice of as well. So the church under a bushel, this is uh, what Mputu Mintaveni is uh, arguing here. Yes, he is making the point, and I think that's a point that we at the Southern Cross and at uh, Radio Veritas can uh, very much agree with, uh, is that when the church is not using media well, if they are not communicating to the faithful and to the public at large uh, through the media, uh, they are hiding all the good the church is doing under the bushel. And uh, basically, nobody will hear their message. It is a very similar point that uh, that I had made in the editorial, which Archbishop Brislin uh, spoke about during his address to the to the plenary session of the bishops' conference, in which he was saying uh, many of the things that Ntumi is uh, uh, addressing in his article. Uh, but it's very important that the church. Uh, becomes better at communication because uh, that is that is the way that the church leads. Uh, that is that is the way that the church com- can communicate all the good it is doing and also uh, also give guidance on uh, uh, on the bad news, uh, all the scandals that are breaking. And uh, I mean, if one follows on Facebook uh, and the discussions taking place about the, the abuse scandals that are wave after wave hitting the church. There is guidance needed. We need some guidance. But, uh, you know, if, if nobody's uh, making use of the media, well, that guidance is not going to come forth. And, of course, uh, that uh, story is also in page two uh, of uh, Archbishop uh, Stephen Brislin's uh, report on, on uh, media. Indeed, yes. Uh, and I'm very glad that uh, Archbishop Brislin has uh, uh, taken up the challenge, so to speak, uh, to uh, to encourage his brother bishops to do something about media. And uh, I really hope that something's going to come from it, because uh, it, it is overdue that there is some sort of media strategy that the bishops' conference can implement. And then at page three, uh, uh, Bishop Stembele Spuka uh, has been, of course, elected president of the SACBC. He's taking office in, uh, in February, rather. 
That's right. In February, uh, the bishops are going to meet again. They meet twice a year, and uh, that's when they are going to uh, elect all the other office holders. They have uh, elected the top three. Uh, that's the president, the vice president, and uh, and and in February they are going to be electing uh, the various departments. So, so basically, what we have now is the prime minister and his deputy prime minister, and uh, and, and next time they're going to uh, vote for all the ministers, so to speak. And uh, uh, until February, uh, Archbishop Brisbane is going to remain CCBC. And uh, I think it's very important that we know how it works because uh, quite a few people are now saying former pre- uh, SACBC president, uh, Archbishop Brisbane, but he's not former yet. He's still going to be president until February and, uh, when, when Bishop Sipuka is going to take office. And then uh, the teaching aspect, or another teaching aspect of the Southern Cross this week is on family, and that's on page 9. As uh, Pope Francis gets ready to go to Ireland uh, for uh, the World Meeting of Families, that's opening in five days' time. Can you believe, Gunther? Well, I am going to be at the closing Mass in Dublin uh, next sun- well, Sunday week. And uh, uh, that, that is with the pilgrimage uh, that, uh, uh, that Bishop Palana is leading the uh, pilgrimage to Catholic Ireland. Uh, organized by the Southern Cross, and uh, I will be part of that. I'm going to be leaving with him on Sunday, and we are going to go to Knock as well. So, wow. so we are going to be at that great Marian shrine just a few days before the Pope is going to arrive there, and we are going to see other sides of Ireland as well. The article that we have is an interview uh, is an interview with the head of the, the Vatican's family department, uh, uh, Cardinal Kevin Farrell, who is uh, Irish-born, and uh, and the one point that he's making, and uh, uh, well, firstly, I was very surprised that uh, this is the first papal visit since 1979 to Ireland, and almost 40 years, no Ooh. pope has come to Ireland. I found it very surprising. <laughs> no wonder the Church in Ireland is such a mess. And Cardinal Farrell is uh, uh, pointing out that the Ireland that Pope Francis is going to find on his very brief visit is very, very much a different. A country than the one that Pope John Paul II found when he went there in 1979. Lots of things have changed. And of course, uh, we can sympathize in South Africa, we can sympathize with that, uh, because the South Africa of 1979 very much is not the same South Africa of 2018. Uh, even even if the Pope were to come to South Africa now, uh, in, in the, well, whenever you would come, uh, it wouldn't be the same uh, uh, place that uh, Pope John Paul II found in 1995. You know, things change quite quite hectically, and uh, over the last 20 years, even uh, the Western the Western societies, especially they and they have changed tremendously, and that is something that uh, Cardinal Farrell is commenting about. And of course, talking about popes and so on, on matters papal, uh, that on page 10, Humana Vitae, and how papal letter caused uh, controversy. Yes, uh, a bit of a history of, uh, of this very controversial uh, encyclical. Uh, that, of course, is the encyclical that uh, uh, basically banned or, or reiterated the Church's ban on artificial birth control. And uh, Pope Paul VI certainly uh, was was in a difficult situation when he was writing that uh, that encyclical with uh, a theolog- theological commission that he had appointed, uh, telling him. Uh, you must allow uh, birth control to some extent, and uh, some people saying you can absolutely not do that at all because of uh, various parts of church teaching as well as uh, the uh, the conditions in which that encyclical was going to be released uh, at the beginning of the sexual revolution and so on. 
So Anthony Egan in his article is uh, uh, is explaining uh, what what the situation was, uh, what was the build up to human evite, and uh, and also what the fallout was. And uh, next week he's going to be looking at an article. He's he's going to be looking at the the society into which human evite was released and uh, and why human evite might have been also a reaction to that society. And of course, uh, ending uh, on page one, uh, Ngome, of course, uh, this is going to be uh, really great news uh, for the people that visit Ngome on a pilgrimage and so on. Uh, the, the news of uh, Sister Renolde May's sainthood course being approved uh, by the bishops. And uh, another teaching aspect that you have on, on page one, four steps to sainthood. Yes, uh, I, th- I think that's one of the roles the Southern Cross has got to play. Explain to the people what what things mean, and uh, when when the bishops are okaying uh, the sainthood course for Sister Ronalda May, uh, they're, they're not saying that well she's going to be canonized uh, very very soon. This is only the beginning, but it's but that's the most important step, I think. Uh, you know, you cannot you cannot start a journey without departing, and uh, this is the departure point for the journey to uh, the canonized sainthood of Saint Sister Ronalda May, who is uh, of course the, the Benedictine nun who had the apparitions of Our Lady uh, near Ngome and uh, on whom that, on, on, well, on those apparitions, the uh, devotion to Ngome is based. And then uh, the church chuckle starts. A famous atheist is eating at a restaurant when he calls the waiter to complain. What is this fly doing in my soup? He asks the waiter. And that's where we will leave it, Gunther. A cliffhanger. <laughs> We speak again, or oh, you you here next week, right? Or oh, no, you you in Dublin? No, already. I am. I'm going to be in Ireland uh, yes. next week, so uh, so we'll have to we'll have to do without me next week. Uh, how sorry we are that uh, you know I couldn't swap places with you, Gunther. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, we speak when you're back. Enjoy the pilgrimage. Thank you very much for all you do. I will enjoy the pilgrimage now. We'll remember Radio Veritas and the listeners in our prayers as well. Please do. God bless. Eh? God bless. Bye bye. Matins with Hanya Ditabe and Colin York.